0: Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast. For developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported, so it help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. The marriage joke of the day is I told my wife she had been drawing her eyebrows too high and she looked really surprised to hear it. <laughs> you may have to think about that one for a second to let it sink in. Okay, I'm going to start today with some Q&A. So I always encourage people to send me questions. You can send them to me on Instagram, on Facebook. You can email them to me. And then I like to respond to them because I know a lot of you have similar questions. So here's some Q&A with the shrink. Number one, how do I help my partner feel better listened to? What a great question. What an awesome heart. And if if all of us had that desire to want to please our partner better. So this person... They're wondering, how do I help my partner feel better listened to? Well, the first thing you can do is have a designated time to talk. Some couples call it cocktail hour or head-heart time, but some type of regular routine where you both know this is our time to talk. You put away all distractions, the kids are away, hopefully in bed or they're watching a movie. You power off your devices and you give each other your undivided attention. That's the first way to help your partner feel listened to second thing is you want to ask your partner a lot of questions ask about their day ask about their highs their lows what are they worried about what are they excited about and then when they respond you want to focus on what they say and follow up with more questions and summary statements and empathy statements because that will make them feel like not only are you curious but that you're tracking them with what they respond with so if you put all that together That can be a winning combination to help your partner feel listened to. Have designated talk time, ask them a lot of questions about their life, and then summarize what they say and empathize with what they feel. Second question, what's a good starting point to building back our marriage? That's a huge question. You know, we all go through different seasons in marriage, as I've mentioned. So there's summer, everything is hot. There's fall, things are cooling down. There's winter, where I hate your guts and you hate mine. And then, for couples who work through that stage, you get into spring, where we're starting to fall back in love, our needs are starting to be met, we're starting to work through our resentments. So how do you get there? How do you go from winter back into spring? One thing that I encourage as a starting point, and you've heard me talk about this elsewhere, is to set up four mini dates per week. And the mini dates to start with can be as short as 15 minutes. But you want to work up to two hours, four days a week. That's the goal. That's the gold standard. And that may sound like a lot, but think about when you were dating. You probably spent hours and hours every day with each other. That's why you fell in love. Then after you're together for a while, you barely have any quality time. And then you wonder why your marriage suffers. So a good starting point to build back a relationship is to start a routine of four days a week of mini dates. And again, you can start with as small as 15 minutes. And then you want to build up that 15 minutes to up to two hours. And eventually, you want to do four things in those mini dates. You want to have a lot of affection, a lot of emotional intimacy, something recreational, and sensual time. Those are the big four that you want to do. You want to do those four so that both of you walk away saying, that was a great time. But in the beginning, it may feel artificial to do those four things because in the beginning, you may still have a lot of resentments. You still may not feel very positive towards your partner, so it's hard to want to go on a bike ride together. So in the very beginning, when you're building back your relationship, I would encourage you to focus that time on your resentments. Focus on how to work through those resentments. I have a tool on my website. If you go to my blog and click on Conflict Resolution in Marriage, it's called the Reunite Tool. And it's all about how to give and receive feedback on these areas of resentment in marriage. So I would start that, those pockets of time focusing on the resentment and then also spend that time listening to podcasts about marriage like this one or reading a book on marriage together because that's a great way to help start building back your relationship as well. Number three, how do we respect each other's different positions? So this is huge. So maybe you're a Trump supporter and maybe your partner is supporting Biden. Who knows? It can be all sorts of things. Maybe you think you should be really careful with COVID and social distance and wear a mask, and your partner thinks there should be no mask and no social distancing. There's so many topics where couples have different positions, and then it becomes ugly because then they start to criticize each other or judge each other. So what do you do when you have a different position? I was working with a couple recently, and they had different positions. One of them wanted to have more kids. The other one didn't want to have more kids. So what you can do when you're stuck in this predicament is to, instead of trying to focus on how you're right or your partner is wrong or trying to point out the flaws in your partner's thinking or approach to the topic, try to focus on understanding what led them to their position. So this couple I was talking to where one partner wanted no more kids, we spent a lot of time talking about what's creating that for that person. What made them not want to have any more kids? What were the things in their upbringing? What kind of values and core needs do they have that makes them not want to have any more kids? Where does that come from for them? And likewise with a partner who wanted to have more kids, where does that come from? What kind of things in their upbringing influence that what kind of values do they have this influencing that what kind of core needs is is influencing and painting that picture for them of why they want to have more kids so when you take the focus off of the disagreement and instead the focus becomes on understanding the why behind your partner's position it changes things it increases respect It increases understanding. A lot of times it increases empathy and compassion for why your partner has the position that they do. And often that will lend itself to a compromise. That will lend itself to how to respect the difference or how to meet in the middle, if possible, on some of these topics. So the next time you're in a gridlock with your partner, don't focus on who's right, who's wrong, trying to convince each other, but instead focus on trying to understand all the variables that have influenced your partner to arrive at the position they're in. Okay, the marriage topic of the day is 3 steps to handling resentment. Resentment is huge and it's so common in marriage because we're imperfect and your partner's imperfect and before long you're going to hurt each other or you're going to offend each other or your needs aren't going to be met or their needs aren't going to be met. It's inevitable that hurt is going to occur and marriage it's part and parcel of the marriage the main thing is how do you handle it and a lot of us don't handle it very well we sweep it under the rug or we fight about it and it just gets stuck and when it's stuck in the history of your relationship you're going to have a really hard time filling up your partner's love bucket you're going to get stuck because there's a clog in that pipe in your history that's preventing the water from coming out for you to fill up your partner's love bucket so learning to handle resentments is enormous And I'm gonna share an example from my marriage and maybe you can relate and apply this to some earlier areas of resentment in your own marriage. So the first thing I would recommend if you have an area of resentment is go back to the initial pain point. What was the initial pain point? What happened? Go back to the origin of it. Maybe it was a week ago. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. You have to go back to the original experience. What happened for both of you? What went down? And how did you interpret what went down? So the example in my life with my wife and I is shortly after we got married, which was in 1999, my wife very quickly did not want to have anything to do with sexual intimacy. So she had a lot of trauma in her background, a lot of unwanted horrific experiences sexually and so when she got married when we got married all that trauma came to the surface and she wanted to avoid sexual contact at all costs and what she needed when she would get triggered because when we would try to have a sexual encounter she would get triggered that trauma of hers would come up and she would get hostile towards me and in the moment when i was most vulnerable during our sexual connection she would get triggered and get hostile towards me during our sexual activity. And when that would happen, that would trigger stuff in my background of feeling rejected and then I would get hostile in response. So that's the first step. You have to understand kind of what happened, what went down, and this leads into step number two. You wanna see the innocence in your partner and take ownership for your part. So for my wife and I, when I started thinking about, okay, what happened? Why did all this trauma for her surface right after we got married? Like, what was that about? It took me a long time to understand that trauma tends to surface when someone feels secure. When someone finally feels secure in a relationship, they feel safe for their trauma to surface. So for my wife, she wasn't having all this trauma against me on purpose. It was quite the opposite. It was because I was making her feel secure. And our relationship made her feel secure, secure enough for her trauma to finally surface. So that was an important point for me to see her innocence in that. The second thing I had to look at for her innocence was that when she would get triggered during our sexual encounters and get hostile towards me, that was her trauma surfacing. And what she needed was to complete the trauma cycle. So when someone gets triggered from their trauma, they need to be comforted, They need to be held. They need to be reminded that it's okay. There's no lion chasing them right now, even though it feels like there's a lion that's gonna pounce on them. They move into fight or flight. They go into their sympathetic nervous system. And so what they need in that moment is to complete the trauma cycle, to be reassured, to have grounding exercises where they recognize they're not in danger and everything's gonna be okay. And that reassures them. And that allows them to get out of fight or flight and go from their sympathetic nervous system over into the parasympathetic nervous system where they're relaxed. And if you do that enough times, the person can heal from their trauma in the context of their relationship with you. So it helped me to understand how she would get hostile towards me because all that was was her wanting to complete her trauma cycle. It wasn't her trying to reject me. It wasn't her trying to hurt me. It wasn't her trying to push me away sexually. It wasn't personal at all. She wasn't trying to neglect the relationship. She was having trauma. She was having triggers and she needed to complete the trauma cycle. So that was innocence. That was the innocence in her heart. That was what she needed and it was so helpful for when I finally could understand that because instead it felt like she was rejecting all of me and rejecting our marriage. And so then I took it personal. So then I had to also look at my contribution. How was I making this worse? Well, when she would get hostile during our sexual encounters, it triggered my trauma. And so in my history, I have some trauma of feeling rejected. And when she would respond that way, it would activate my trauma, and then I would respond with hostility in return. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to be therapeutic. This was before any of my study came into play with psychology. I had not gone to graduate school for psychology, so I didn't know what I was doing in response. All I knew was that my wife was getting hostile towards me during sexual encounters, and so I became hostile in response. And that was the last thing that she needed. She needed to complete her trauma cycle and feel safe But instead, I made her feel even more unsafe because I would get hostile in response. So it made her feel the opposite of what she needed. So then, sex for her became even more dangerous, even more high stakes, and it demotivated her to even want to work on it. And so it took me a long time to see how I contributed because for the longest time, I felt like it was all her fault and that she just wasn't being a good partner. But it took me a while to finally realize, first of all, this wasn't intentional. There was innocence for her. She was finally felt safe, so her trauma was surfacing. And all she needed was to complete the trauma cycle. So when she would get hostile, that was her trigger. It wasn't personal. And then I had to recognize that I made it worse by responding with hostility in return. So when I realized all those factors, being able to see her innocence, and being able to see my part My heart exploded with compassion because it showed me I was not able to give her what she needed. And I remember when we had this conversation together and tears started going down my cheeks because I felt so bad for not being able to provide what she needed. And I felt so much compassion and so much ownership for what I had done. And that led to me sincerely apologizing and empathizing, and that made her start to cry because that was finally what she needed. And then we held hands and she sat on my lap and we just embraced each other. And it was one of the most healing moments of our marriage. And so this might be what your marriage needs. Your marriage may need some type of cathartic, emotionally corrective experience around resentment. And that goes into the third part, which is what I already just highlighted, which is you apologize for your impact. It doesn't mean you meant to, doesn't mean it was your intention, but I had to apologize for responding with hostility and providing the opposite of what she needed. And when I apologized sincerely and was empathizing with how I impacted her, that's what broke open the chains. That's what broke down the gates. That's what removed the walls. So think about your relationship. Think about any areas of resentment. You're not going to win the argument of who is right, who is wrong. You need to talk about how it felt for both of you. What was going on? What were your core needs? What were your wounds that were getting stirred up? Then you want to really focus on the innocence in your partner and what was your part. So those are your three things to think about. So Number one, go to the initial pain point. understand it. Number two, see the innocence in your partner and own your part. And then number three, apologize sincerely for your impact. Thank you for listening to the Marriage Steps podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please scroll down, click the five stars and leave a review and be sure to tell your family and friends about the Marriage Steps podcast. The more reviews I get, the higher the podcast will appear on search results so more couples can find it. For more marriage resources, be sure to go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. And if this podcast has made a positive impact on your relationship, I would love to hear from you because your story will inspire others. So please email me, info at drwyattfisher.com if this podcast has impacted you. And remember, your marriage is alive so if you care for it, it will grow. But if you neglect it, it will wilt and die. The choice is up to you. Take care.